Hey, I'm Dennis from This Side of Anarchy, and welcome to Band to Band, my show where I and another band interview each other and alternately ask five questions over video chat, since many of us are from every corner of the world. My idea came about after using uh, Twitter for about a year and a half and became friends with a bunch of independent bands of all kinds of different genres, and we support each other any way we can. And I found that I really wanted to get to know some of these bands better and thought this would be a good way to do that and let you in on it. So please hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast to keep up with updates and new episodes. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Hey, welcome to my third episode of Band to Band. And this one's going to be a little different because... Secret Weasels and um, Creep Scene. I really didn't know anything about them. This one's a little different. I did meet uh, Vince on Twitter. I'm not exactly how we got together. Somehow we found out we we're both in LA. And I'm like, hey, where in your where are you in LA? So I think I through think, UGM, UGM Rock, I think is where we first. Uh, I think it first. was. Uh, yeah, we did some stuff with them. And uh, we, I know you were in L.A. and I was in L.A. And I'm like, where are you in L.A.? L.A. is so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, we found out we were, um, what, 10 miles away, I guess, 15, 12, maybe? I don't know. Close. But you're, like, up in Hollywood and I'm over by, like, West Adams area. Yeah, so, uh, so we've been to lunch, like, three times, I think. Three or four now, yeah. Three or four, I can't remember. Uh, and but uh, this one's gonna be. I'm gonna get a little more in depth to Vince because you know we talk about other things. So let's get on with it. Um, yeah, we've been friends for a little over a year, and I know a little bit of your story. And you know, we talked on the thing, and uh, just introduce yourself to others. And you're the drummer, so I know that. Uh, maybe how long you've been playing? What made you begin playing? I don't think you ever told me that. Where, 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 you, where you like really got the urge to be a drummer um uh, crazy enough with that that's that's been pretty much as as far back as as i can remember and um with my parents from what they tell me as far back as you know two three four years old i was like building drum sets out of different stuff around the house and i was always gravitated towards uh the drumming of things and um my brother's wife she you know we didn't have cable or nothing when i was growing up but my brother's girlfriend who ended up being his wife and they've been married i think they just celebrated their 38th anniversary um but uh could be wrong about that but it, it's, it's a lot <laughs> and uh, anyway mm-hmm. um she used to take that tv for me and i would you know see the videos of the different drummers and all that and um, I just, I always kind of gravitated towards the drum kit. And then, um, and my parents got me my first kit when I was about nine. So I started playing that summer, uh, just got it for Christmas and, uh, you know, banged around for a couple, for a month or so. And then I kind of didn't do much with it into the summer. And then I started really playing. I had a friend who, uh, played guitar and kind of, he was kind of the inspiration for me getting the kit. He, you know, he's like, dude, if you get a drum kit, you know, we can start a band. And that's kind of how it all began. 
Mm. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it was it is a it's been a, a fun journey. <laughs> All right, now you can ask me your question now. Your turn. Okay, I had, uh, my first question was, um, okay, so I know you have a heavy punk background, but do you have any kind of influences um, that people would be kind of surprised about that they wouldn't think about or wouldn't guess? Yeah, well, probably. I, I've always had like a wide range of tastes and influences. Probably maybe the two surprising ones would be um, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. <laughs> oh wow right on <laughs> and then uh, okay. classical music like Mozart and Haydn and Vivaldi and stuff those are so they're not usually uh, hooked up with punk rockers you know <laughs> yeah definitely especially like the Mozart and stuff like that yeah. even the Herb Albert like that's kind of that's cool that's cool yeah. I and, definitely uh, get into a lot of classical myself too yeah and then the mid '80s, it's a couple odd bands that that was I can't really got into. Was there was a band I don't know if you remember? They were called The The. <laughs> <laughs> what is your man? We're The The. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another one called uh, Digny Fingus. That was kind of a weird band. Okay. okay. But yeah, it's just mainly '60s, '70s rock and '80s metal, new wave of punk. Is this? That's all. 60s classical rock is and 70s rock is my main thing, but you know, right? I like, other, I like other kind of crap like that, other odd stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think probably all of us, you know, have some kind of 70s classic rock influence that are, you know, right. from you know, the 80s, 90s, and above kind of. It's right. that. You know, everybody's got a little bit of a foundation in that. <laughs> right. Because I got to think, well, they, they had to, like, redo them so many times because they were on vinyl. And then and then CDs came out, so they had to, like, like redo all those. And then, so everybody had to buy them again. Oh, wow. And then they had to buy them again on CDs. And then and MP3s came out. And it's like, oh, we're going to buy it on MP3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now i got to stream it. So I think the record companies just kind of, we got all this music and let's just we don't have to pay it and we've already paid for it and it's just you know they pay the radio stations to play all those songs and then everybody's just into them everybody knows <laughs> yeah it's crazy because i didn't it took me a long time to get into cds because it just you know i it, it's they cost so much more money and then you had to buy a cd player and it just and then, yeah, like you'd, you'd have to build your whole collection over and all. So it was, it, it just, that was kind of, I, I, you know, I eventually started getting into buying them here and there and, and building up a right. CD collection a little bit. But yeah, and then now it's, it's like you said, now it's all MP3s and pretty soon everything will be some kind of like Spotify cloud-based type, yeah. you know, thing where it's, you know, not really on your phone. It's like a streaming type thing, but. Right. That's crazy. Now they have, they like it started out with like vinyls and forty fives and <laughs> yeah, just keep reselling it with uh over a new medium. Yeah, and then now they're like it's going backwards. 
where you got like a new, like revival of vinyl where people are like you know spending good money like serious money for for like vinyl versions of all kinds of stuff now like yeah. that kind of tripped me out a little bit when i you know just to see that kind of mm-hmm. like wow it's crazy vinyl's making kind of a comeback yeah in that sense you know yeah crazy yeah last week we had uh tony from creep scene on there and he gave his how he gets songs down so i was wondering uh since you're a drummer usually you don't just start out with the drum beat and then try to do the guitar or i don't know how how do you how do you work on your songs and then do you do anything like him or you just kind of keep it you do think about drum beat and then you're like okay i'll put the guitars to match this or whatever and or do you kind of like um, you kind of play with your guitar thing get some guitar going with your with your machine and then and then kind of drum to it don't know what your process um, is. i it, it's crazy because i have like it it it, it kind of varies um sometimes i'll start with going into into um to my computer and I'll start making riffs and I'll start, you know, I'll export that and then I'll go ahead and I'll drum behind that. And then I'll add a baseline to that and kind of keep tossing things around until I get it where I want it. Um, sometimes I'll have like, um, it's funny cause I was watching the episode with Tony where he was like, um, he's a, he's a big fan of dun dun dunts and, I'm like, I, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff as well. Like, uh, like, you know, a lot of, um, I'll be building a lot of riffs like in my head and just after repeating them a couple times, I'll kind of start building like the skeleton of a song in my head and then I'll drum to that. Uh, what, and what's crazy there is I'll record those drums and then what I'll do is I'll listen to them and then I'll write new riffs over top of the, the, the drumming that I did. So it's like, it's kind of like you start out with a riff idea and I put a beat to it and then I'll go behind that and do completely different riffs over top of it, just going off of the beat that I did. Wow. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, it, 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 there's no set rate like thing though. Like sometimes I'll start with a bass line. And then I'll go ahead and I'll follow up a bass line with the drums. Um, it, uh, I'd say probably more than half the time it starts with riffs, though. And I'll build something behind the riffs. And then probably maybe 30% is building off of a bass line and, uh, and doing something behind that. And then maybe the other 10% is building off of a, of a drum beat that I just sat down and usually I, I try to do the, like, cause it's like you said, the drums, that's my instrument. So I'm synthing my guitars out and it, the drums is really where I get a chance to do a lot of talking. So ideally I, I, I want everything set up. So I'm just listening to something where I'm just putting the drums to it and I can accent anywhere that I want. And, and, you know, Sometimes I'll uh, I'll drum something two or three, four different ways, mm-hmm. and just see what kind of different feels or vibes I can get from it. 
and um you know and then kind of rebuild off of that new vibe but i i try to start with some kind of guitar work first and then punctuate everything with with the drums mm -hmm. uh you know it's yeah. it um i wanted to I, i've been really trying to get into um i wanted to record my next ep with all acoustic drums and i you know before all this cov19 stuff happened um i had been doing a lot of rehearsing in the studio to you know get ready for that and now that the studios are closed it's um it's it's just i'm probably going to just record on my uh, you know the new ep with my rollins here because i uh, my timeline is i wanted to come out over the summer and uh you know so but um i say that just to say that especially in in the situation with something with acoustic drums i definitely want everything to be completely finalized because um I can articulate myself on them a little bit differently. It's actually, I think you can, you can be much more expressive on an acoustic kit than you can on, I mean, these are, are fairly close. You can do a lot and dynamics are definitely, you know, you can use all those things, all those different tools that a drummer would use. You can mimic a lot of that stuff with these, but um, you can just get so much more out of an acoustic kit and, um so that is a, like when i'm on an acoustic situation i definitely want drums to be the very last thing that happens and uh you know with 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 these they can they can take a lesser seat sometimes but it still ends up being guitars and then drums yeah. uh you know right for the most part <laughs> Have you ever picked up a guitar and kind of? You, you yeah, actually, a little bit or what? yeah, that's that's actually I, I wanted to start playing guitar a little bit. Like when I was um, I was about I guess I was about sixteen, and a band I was playing in, the guitarist Theron, he's the well everybody you know as the drummer, it's like everybody's always usually playing at your house, and so yeah. some guys would just leave like a half stack and stuff over there and bring their guitars and other guys would have like, they would just leave their whole get up because they had another guitar at home that they would practice with. Right. And um, I wanted to kind of start messing around a little bit. And uh, my friend Theron, who was playing guitar in a band, kind of showed me a few chords and how to mess around and like little you know things like palm mutes and just a couple little things to get me started because um, I really wanted to contribute more to the band than just as a drummer you know i wanted to be able to contribute melodies and riffs and stuff like that and um that was kind of you know i, I couldn't play anything but i could kind of you know dun, 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 get a get a point across of hey you know guys this would kind of be sound and let them take it from there and that's kind of how i started i, I you know wanted to pick up a guitar at some point but it just you know, there, there, there was only so much, you know, money for me to delve into. And I kind of put most of it, my eggs in the basket with my drums. And, uh, you know, now it's like, I'm starting to think about that again, like picking up maybe like a little secondhand bass or something like that, just to, to start getting, um, 
you know, for my, you know, for the pharmacide music, right. um, start weaving that in there, but we'll see again. It's, you know, money is always an yeah. issue. Definitely. A lot of things take a front seat to, to you know. <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, sort of since I'm the guitar, I'm a guitar player. I, almost every almost every time I pick up a guitar, there's usually like three or four riffs that just come out. And I usually got to just get them down or I'll forget about them. So, you know, 75% is probably just guitar riffs. And then once in a while, the bass will be first. But once in a while, there'll be like a drum beat. So I'll be like, oh, man, I got to do something with that beat. And then, you know, I'll find one on the computer or whatever, or, or just create one. Or what I do sometimes, I hear beats of bands, like, you know, punk band, okay. band or something. I'm like, oh, man, I love that beat. I'm going to I'm gonna make my own song and use that beat, you know? Okay, uh, cool. Song, come on, we get that beat. You know? Oh, man, that's cool. I want to do something with that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so most of the time. That's my process. Yeah. One thing kind of crazy with me, um, I kind of forgot about for a minute, but another thing, a way that I write is um, I recently started about a year or two back, not very, very seriously, but I picked up the flute to start trying to learn the flute. And a couple of my songs have uh, like a flute in it and, and um, a tin whistle. Um, I think my song, The Piper from Synquisition is a tin whistle, but it's, it's pitched down a little bit in the studio, so it sounds probably more like a flute, but it's actually a, a tin whistle. And um, in learning how to play those instruments, sometimes melodies that I create there, I'll use to turn into guitar riffs. Mm. Um, and, and one cool thing is uh, a long time back uh, when I was in my teens, I never really took any drum lessons, but... I learned how to read music and stuff like that because I started picking up, you know, stick control and four-way coordination and all these different uh, drum books that I would work through. And um, so it, it afforded me the ability to kind of learn how to read and write sheet music. And then with the flute, you know, I, I learned a little bit more about how to write through the scale. So with me, sometimes if I get a riff idea or a melody idea in my head, I actually write the... Uh, I'll write the notation out, uh, the notes or like a scratch paper or something like that and come back to it. And I can kind of, I'll build off of it from there, which is, uh, that's a, that's pretty cool too. It's, it's something that a lot of musicians these days, I don't think really talk about, but learning how to read notation, yeah. um, even in like in metal and all that kind of stuff and punk, a lot of us don't really take the time, but it's, it, it all has advantages mm -hmm. to, to things for you. Yeah, I, I can read pretty much guitar music, but not like sight read. I mean, I can, I can, okay, this is this, this is this, this is, and I can do it, but I can't like, I can't like, just go. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like, to, to read, especially if I'm reading something that I've never, like, I do a lot of, um, a lot of things I like to practice with is I'll download a lot of snare, uh, like snare solos and stuff like that from marching bands, and I'll download the sheet music for it, and I'll kind of work on stuff like that for uh, for any drummers and stuff out there. It's a badass way to um, 
to, to, to get creative on like building fills and stuff like that is just the, the different rhythms and stuff you build, but there's marching snare solos. You can really do a lot um, with them to, uh, to, to build up your creativity when you're creating your fills and stuff. But um, uh, I think I got off topic here. I was talking about the marching snare solos and um, how I, I use them. Um, Use them to practice with. Them. I can't remember from the right for me what my point was to make of that right now. <laughs> oh, we're just talking about the, the writing music and you know stuff like that. So that's how you use that to practice. That's cool. Oh yeah. All right, you're up. Next question. All righty, let me. Um, I got him. It's crazy. I had him written in my phone, and I was just telling my wife a few minutes ago. I said, I need to borrow your phone because I got to text you Dennis's questions because I never pulled them out of my phone. And I, I'm using the phone for the Skype. So I got my wife's phone here. But uh, anyway, okay. So the second question is when we meet for lunch, uh, you usually drive your motorcycle. Uh, how did you, how did you, you know, get into motorcycles and all that kind of stuff because it's that's usually kind of like a culture in itself you know right uh that's kind of funny because i really don't like motorcycles <laughs> i never really did <laughs> but uh see yeah, i got it it's almost three years now is when i got it um Basically, I got it because of uh, necessity. Money, basically, was about it. As uh, well, for, uh, my brother had motorcycles when we were growing up, and, my, and then my dad got him. They were like him to him together, and uh, we used to have like our yard used to be like an acre, and they used to be able to ride in the backyard, and you know just to practice and stuff. So you're not out on the street and whatever, but but. I, I don't know. It's just like the drumming thing. I I, have, I don't have the coordination. I cannot shift and break and I can't do any of that crap. So my mind's an automatic. So it makes you just bang, you go. That's how I am with my fingers, man. I, I, I can't really get the coordination in my fingers because I've also wanted to learn piano. Yeah. Is something I really like. I can play piano a little bit and I can I can build some melodies there, but I always wanted to learn how to like really play piano, but my fingers are just, I don't have the dexterity there to do like any kind of serious guitaring or it just seems to, to lie in the drumming coordination areas and the, uh, it just didn't make it all the way down to the, to all the individual fingers like that. I, I only need my first two fingers here to, for the drums mainly. So with, with these three here with, you know, <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I've always lived close to work, which is lucky in LA. You know, most people are yeah. driving, most, most people are driving like 30, 50 miles and two hour drives to get to their work. <laughs> oh my God, I know. I've, I've, been, I've been lucky and most I did, I lived away was like maybe four or five miles maybe, which is good. That's cool. Because when I first moved here, I lived really close. I used to ride my bicycle to work. Wow. And which was, which was good because... We used to have an hour lunch, so I could just ride my bike back, you know, right. kick back for 40 minutes, you know, eat lunch and do whatever, and then you know, ride back. That was kind of fun. I got my exercise. 
Then I moved a little farther away and I drove for a while. And then I got the house here, which is close again, and, and rode my bike again for a while. And then they changed lunch to only half an hour, which was like, I could like get there and back in like 25 minutes. So I'm like, well, I ain't gonna have five, five minutes to eat my lunch. So that kind of that kind of gets, you know, put a butt cup off on that. So then um, after we did that, I drove for a while. And then, you know, money was tight again, sending my kids to school. So then for a while, I got one of those um, electric scooters. For like, okay. For like 400 bucks. I lasted for a while, but it was a little cheap, cheap, uh, Chinese one, of course, and it, this just couldn't handle all the bumps and the you know the roads are going over the railroad tracks. I got to go over to, and it's just like right. And then eventually, it just started falling apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I kind of figured out. I kind of broke even on that. I was saving to save. I was saving money on gas, but I probably saved the four hundred bucks I paid for it on gas. But it just kind of broke out. Broke broke even. But, then I think I bought another one and did the same thing. And then ended up driving again. Then when my sons were old enough to have jobs and go to school and everything and getting into college, they needed the cars. And I'm like, well, I needed to get to work. I didn't have money for another car and insurance. So like, right. I'll, I'll try to get it. I'll see what I can get for a motorcycle. So seeing see what they have automatic. So, so it's the cheapest thing I could get to working back was so that's that's how I got into motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So working back, but it, it's it's kind of fun sometimes. Um, even though we're in LA, it's in the winter. It does get cold here. I mean, even if it's fifty degrees, yeah. fifty even if it's fifty degrees, the wind chill is. When I checked it out, it was like going about 40 miles an hour it's like 20 degrees wind chill so when you're driving you're just like 30 degrees and you're oh yeah yeah <laughs> and, yeah. I, and and in the winter you still feel that ocean breeze and it and it's it's cold it's just it's oh yeah yeah so i had to bundle myself up i actually got one of those uh battery jackets this this, this winter it's got a battery in it and it's got uh heating wow. you know like a like a hit like a like a uh, uh he, he, a heating blanket. We used to have them back east for you your, when you're plugging your blanket. And you had to. Oh yeah, we got one right over here. Yeah, temperature control. It's kind of the same idea. You got little coils in your jacket. You got a little battery there. Oh, that's crazy. You just, you just charge it up, man. It, it worked good. It worked, it worked pretty good this winter. I was nice and warm. And it's one in the back, and then two in the front right here, and it kept me pretty warm going to work. Oh, that was good. Crazy the stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, in the summers. Sometimes in the summers, it's 110 or whatever. That you can feel that heat. It's just like the opposite. The heat just comes off the, comes off the, uh, the, the blacktop, and it's just beating you in the face. You're like, wow, it's like, <laughs> it's super oh my hot. God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get some crazy winter uh, summers, man. Uh, we might have a hot wind this time around. It's been we've been, it's it's been getting some heat spells, uh, lately here. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy yeah man that's um that's funny because uh yeah i've always had a kind of pretty been pretty lucky with with getting uh work fairly close to to the house for me i've 
I've had some far drives, but but um, nothing crazy, uh, crazy like you know. I think the most I had to ever go was about an hour and ten minutes or so uh, to get to work. But you know, my, my first it's funny because my first uh, first job in the union, uh, the electricians union, was at a school that was like maybe ten minutes from where my wife worked. So. I was able to, and I was working because it was a school. We couldn't work during the day. So we were working three to 11 and uh, I would be able to go meet my wife for lunch. And then I would head to work and then she would get off work and she would come to meet me for lunch because the school was, you know, it was so close. And, and um, you know, I, I was, was always had a couple, you know, able to kind of be at least relatively close to the home or um, not have to, you know, deal with too much of that traffic because, man, out here. <laughs> I do, as like you were saying, I remember, uh, you know, working construction, you know, we'd be starting at five, six in the morning. So, but I would know guys who would be leaving their house at two in the morning to come and get to work and they wouldn't be getting home until seven, eight at night because, it, you know, the guys that were living up in Pomona and stuff and working jobs in Long Beach and stuff like that, you know, like. You know, or guys working around the L.A. area and coming from like Victorville and, you know, Apple Valley and, you know, different areas like that. And luckily, I never the, the farthest I ever had to go was. um Can't remember the name of it. I think it was Fort Fort Drum or something. I can't remember the name, but it was it's right on the way to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, by the alien, by the ghost town and all that. If you drive out to Vegas at about 15 and you go by ghost town, it's that was about the farthest hour I had to go. That was about an hour and almost 40 minutes to get there to work to work for about two and a half hours on a service call <laughs> as an electric truck. We were we had to go out there because a, a breaker had but uh, uh anyway though, but yeah, that's that's crazy with the traffic out here and just that's a being able to bike to your job is a gold mine. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just fun too. A couple of times we took the took Topanga to the beach, me and my wife. That was a fun ride. Going down the going down curves is kinda of cool. Oh yeah. But it's not something I would really want to do. But it's, it's all right. That's my foray into motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, me, I, I was never, um, I was never too big into motorcycles, man. I had, I had one experience on a motorcycle when I was a, 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 about fourteen or fifteen. I had a friend who was about seventeen who had a motorcycle, and I, I came so close to a Ford F one fifty, I could have touched its grill oh. with, with my hand, probably, because he darted out through a stop sign and. Man, that was the last time I was at, I don't want nothing to do with motorcycles or <laughs> a van or something, you know? Yeah, that is, that's the dangerous part. People don't, you know, the cars don't see you and I don't know. Yeah, I don't do any of that stuff that's just on the freeways, like going between the cars and everything. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like I wouldn't do that. The only time, even even on the, tra- on the traffic lights. There's two or three cars, and I'm like, how much farther do you really want to get up there? You got to go between the two, the two or three cars? I mean, I just yeah. I just sit back there. 
unless, you know, once in a while there's like 20 cars, and I'm like, oh, I ain't going to wait for 20 cars. I'll just go, you know, on, on where the park cars are, you know, and there's no right. park cars. And I have room. I don't like try to squeeze through anything. Like, yeah, some of these guys are just going, you got two inches yeah. of here, and you're like, like it's crazy, man. Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, during our lunches, I discovered that we both like cooking and gardening. How did you get interested in them? When, when did you first start uh, getting interested in gardening and cooking? Did you do that, you know, back east or your family or just out here or what? Uh, you know, crazy enough, um, it's my brother Nick was how I first got into it. Um, he was... Uh, He's, he's actually still works in the baking industry. And uh, he started out working at Dunkin' Donuts. He was a mixer, mm-hmm. you know, mixing donuts. At, you know, he would go to work at 2, 3 in the morning or whatever to, to, to make donuts. And uh, when he started working at a bigger, you know, production bakery, they sent him away to school. And he started bringing all these books home on baking breads. And, this, you know, he really got into the science of it. And... Um, I baked my first pound cake from scratch when I was probably like, probably like 10 or 11, man. I was really young. And then I, I always like three's company because Jack Tripper was a, was a trying to be a chef. Uh-huh. So you know, like, I just always liked, you know, the, the whole putting foods together and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I always kind of, you know, like I said, I was making the cakes and then, you know, I ended up, dropping out of high school in the 10th grade uh because i thought i knew everything and uh, you know um started working ironically at a production bakery called ottenberg's bakery and i worked there for about five years uh doing you know various things i mean i'm talking like thousand pound doughs and stuff like that of mm-hmm. for bagels and dinner rolls and all and i kept uh you know, that kind of, I guess, kept my interest going. And then when I met my wife, ironically, uh, she lived uh, out here in Los Angeles and I was still back on the East Coast. And we would kind of like buy ingredients for meals and cook them together. And then kind of, you know, so we could kind of eat dinner together and stuff like that. So, you know, me and her had all kinds of crazy recipes we were putting together. And, uh, and then, where it furthered even more is when, uh, when me and her, um, when we had our first child, we really wanted to make like, you know, good food for her. Mm-hmm. So we started getting into homemaking, all kinds of stuff. And that spawned us like starting to make our breads from scratch again and starting to make, you know, all anything we could think of to get it from scratch. We would, uh, what honey pasta yeah like just different um you know different stuff at one time we made uh our own spinach noodles and you know um fettuccine sauce and all and you know just we were always kind of yeah it was awesome man and uh i guess we just we always kept going like right now we make ginger ale and our homemade ginger ale a lot and we make um as much as we can, you know, we really try to, 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 to see number one, like, you know, what goes into making things. So you don't so you, so our kids can understand, you know, like mm-hmm. when you, 
a piece of cake or whatever, a, a meal, uh, it, time goes into preparing that. And it isn't just something handed over a counter and you got to clean the food and wash it. And, you know, it's a, it's a process. And um, it's also a way to kind of help get our children involved mm -hmm. in, you know, learning that kind of stuff. So we just, it's, I don't know, it's just been a part, it's been a part of us. And then, then we started with the growing stuff and, and getting into the gardening, which was more of a recent thing with us was with the main part was with our pumpkins uh, last summer when we were growing our pumpkins. That was one of the, we, they didn't quite bloom for us, but it, it's still a win because we got them, they flowered, they vine, they, you know, I mean, we didn't get all the way, but we've had varying success with, with um, our thumbs, you know, not turning as green as we would like them. And uh, <laughs> But you know we're, we're we we got some stuff out there right now. We got some onion going on, and um, we got some aloe out there, and we're we're getting ready to start our our you know spring summer plantings in a in a pretty soon here actually. And uh, you know again we're trying to keep our kids involved in it, and you know it's just a it's a it's it's a good way for the family to to do things together. That's um, you know, more than just kind of sitting in front of a television, which, which we do too, but you know, right. it, you know, yeah, so right. that's kind of how we got into it. And, you know, we're just mm -hmm. trying to continue learning more, you know, as, especially with gardening, we're learning that it's just a, it's just the ever yeah. process of evolving your, your knowledge, and, you know, and, you know, figuring things out, which is cool. You know, it, it's keeps your brain, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I don't know what it was, but probably somewhere around teenager, thirteen, fourteen. I just I mean we had an acre yard where I was from and I think the first thing I really wanted to grow was roses. So Wow. I, I had a little side of the house and we used I used to grow roses over there. Uh, it must be hereditary because you know, I found out later. I mean my Mom's dad died when I was four, so I really didn't know him. But I guess he had all kinds of roses in their backyard. So oh. I guess he was, and my mom would always say he he knew how to either graft or either grow them from seed. He'd get one to seed and grow it. Or crazy. And I don't know. He did all this crazy stuff that I don't do. But, but and then my dad's mom, I guess she was like really into irises. And then, uh, I like irises too, so it's like weird how. <laughs> but you know, she she died before they were even married, so. Okay. So I, I didn't know either one of those, but yet somehow I kind of got those two traits from my grandparents. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, I would. Then I, we used to grow vegetables in the back. We had a little tilled place, and we used to grow tomatoes and peppers and, and oh. uh, strawberries and onions. To grow, you know, little stuff like that. It's just we always had stuff to grow. And now I have a yard, and I'm just really, I'm, I've always kind of been into it, but I've been really getting back into it the past two years or so. I got all kinds of plants now. I mean, strawberries, blueberries, peaches, roses, yeah, roses, orchids, yeah, roses, orchids. Cactus. Okay. You know, 
Do you know much about wild blueberries? Not much about wild blueberries. I know I got a blueberry plant, but I just put it in a pot and it's growing. <laughs> That's all I know about it. I haven't really studied too much on them, but just let, right it, dry, let it dry out a little bit and keep it watered. And then it's kind of this year, I, I don't know, this is this only the second year. Well, actually, it's the first, it's starting the second year. You know, it's been a, been a year now it's starting. Because when I bought it, it flowered a little bit. And then this is the second season, I guess I would say. But uh, it's kind of kind of odd. Maybe it's because the the way the heat went here, because it flowered. And then it has some berries on it that are like half ready. And they're not like growing anymore, but then it's flowering again. It's like now it's got a whole whole new set of flowers. Like it's gonna get more berries, and I'm like, what happened on the first set of berries? So right, right, wow. So, so it's got like half berries on it, and it's got some more flowers on it. So I don't know. It's just it's still young too. So sometimes they need to mature a little more. So and we'll see. Right on. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. You're up, I think. Okay, let's see. Where am I at? I am at three. Okay. What uh so what kinds of we one thing it's crazy is cause in like which is funny because our lunches like for, for anybody like out there, it's crazy. It's not like a normal lunch. Like when we go to lunch, it's it's sometimes like four hours or something like that. Like we have some serious long lunches and we talk about all kinds of crazy shit, but we, it, ironically, we've never talked about um, like what kind of television shows and stuff like that. Do you get into watching when you're, uh, you know, like, like lounging out at home and stuff like that? Yeah. I hope this doesn't give me a bad, uh, a bad reputation, but <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I want to tell anybody, but I guess I will. Yeah, you know what's funny? I love General Hospital. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's you know when I went in the Air Force, it was it was kind of funny. I mean, we all went there. You had the dorm room. This is where I got to my uh, first base. You know, uh -huh. the only base I was at. Then I went to basic. Then I went to tech school. And then you went to your regular base. So I went to my base, and then. Uh, During, uh, we're I was on the evening shift, you know, four to midnight. Uh huh. Then, uh, you know, everybody would be up at whatever time it was after lunch or whatever, and all the guys would be in there watching. <laughs> we'd watch. We'd watch all my children. One likes to live in General Hospital. Wow. It was kind of funny. I mean, wow, all these guys are doing the same thing. We're all just getting into it. And it, was back, it, was, it was back when the, the Luke and Laura thing was. Most people probably heard of that. It's like It was like the big thing. And then come, come 25 years later, when they had the 25th anniversary, me and my wife might just said, oh, let's check them out. You know, they're doing the 25th anniversary. We'll see, see if we remember a thing and whatever. But then Nothing's changed. It was like the same people, the same kids, the same stories, <laughs> but it's, it's freaking addicting. 
<laughs> That's crazy because I went through a stint of uh, watching Young and the Restless. Yeah. My brother and his wife used to watch that show like crazy, and I, I was staying with them for a while. And I kind of got in. This show is they kind of the way that they they do the stories. It's like at first you're like, huh, and then you're like, what? <laughs> you, you know, you keep you start watching more, and it's like, holy shit, okay, this is some crazy shit, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then the other thing is, uh, I'm a big Hallmark guy. I've seen everything on Hallmark that they've put out. Hallmark, okay. all the Hallmark mysteries and the Hallmark movies and the Hallmark program. I mean, almost anything Hallmark, I love it. Right on. I'm gonna I'm gonna move for one second and try to turn this light on behind me because it's it's starting to get dark and yeah. I'm thinking that uh I'm fading a little. All right. Now the sun went down, probably, huh? Yeah, the sun started coming down, and now it's too dark. And the only problem is now we got this spotlight here right behind me. Yeah, that's all right. Not that bad. I can hold my hand up like this for the rest of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can kind of shift the camera a little bit and make it just a little bit. Yeah, that's all right, I think. That'll work. Yeah, I think that's good. Cool. Yeah, and uh, some of the other stuff I watch, uh, I always, I don't watch too much anymore, but I always used to love Laurel and Hardy. They're like my favorite. Oh, my God. That's my one of my too. Way back uh, in the, when I was in Ohio in 85, when I was in that metal band, me and my friend Sammy saw they I used to go to a pizza, there's a pizza place every Friday night, and they had Laurel and Hardy, you know, they had a big projector and stuff, and they had Laurel and Hardy movies, and everybody had to sit there and watch them all night. It was like, eat pizza and watch Laurel and Hardy. That's one of my favorites, too, man. I um, I grew up watching them with my parents, and uh, like, as a little kid, all the, with them and Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, and, yeah. you know, uh, and even now, like, my kids, my, um, my two daughters, they love Laurel and Hardy, man. Like, they mm -hmm. actually bug me more to put it on than, than I turn it on myself at this point. <laughs> that's yeah, that's good. And then also, I like old sci-fi. Some of my favorite ones are The Forbidden Planet and the original War of the Worlds. Okay. Uh, I like old sci-fi ones. And then there's this one show, I don't know if you, if you remember it, uh, probably too young. Uh, it was Ellery Queen in the 70s. Oh, I, I never seen the show, but I've read some of the Ellery Queen mysteries. That show is freaking awesome. I love that show. The the way I could never I usually pretty good at figuring things out on other, you know, other mystery shows and stuff, but the way they did that show, I think I read a couple I think I read a couple of the books, but the way they did that show is just like I can never figure out who the hell did it. I was like, it was so intriguing and like they were really good. That was like the Thin Man and stuff like that, right? The what? The Thin Man and and was that was the Ellery Queen mysteries, right? No, I don't think so. The Maltese Falcon and yeah, the Maltese Falcon. Okay, yeah, I, th I think I know who you. I might get maybe getting a little bit mixed up, but I yeah, yeah. What that? What's that guy's name? I wish I could remember that guy's name. 
I'll go back and figure it out real quick. Ellery Queen. Ellery Queen is an American TV series that aired from 1975 to 1976 and starred Jim Hutton, David Wayne, and John Hillerman. Yeah, Jim Hutton. Okay. Jim Hutton, that, that was like, his, his acting was just awesome, man. He was just going to go like, oh, you need to try to figure this out. It was like, oh, I, I think I recorded those all those episodes on... What did I record those on? I don't remember if I recorded them on VHS and then I transferred them from VHS to MP4s or MPEGs or something. But I got them on my computer somewhere. I got to watch them again. <laughs> those are freaking awesome. I'm going to have to check YouTube or something and see if I can find uh, yeah, some of them. On YouTube. Yeah, I wonder if they're... You might find something on YouTube. What about you? What kind of shows? Um, you me, you know, it's... I'm into a lot of the old stuff. Uh, the, uh, you know, like I, I like a lot of the old, like 1930s, 1930, 40, like 40s horror movies, like, uh, you know, the, the 13th Guest and a lot of the old Boris Karloff shows and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, Taxi, Laverne and Shirley, like Kojak, you know, like a lot of those old sitcoms and shows from the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, as far as newer stuff goes, um, my wife and I have recently been watching The Blacklist like like crazy mm. um, on Netflix and uh, a show called Fortitude, a show called Expanse, um, a lot of, like sci-fi type stuff. And, um, you know, we've been watching The X-Files a lot lately. That's always a, you know, um, usually there's like a Harry Potter or a, like um, Star Trek going on, on on one TV in this house and generally at all times, you know, whether it's, you know, we stick to either the, the original series or the, the, uh, or the next generation, you know, we don't discriminate in this house. We, we like Kirk and Picard, even though I, I tend to like Kirk a little bit more and <laughs> got a feeling my wife is a little bit more of a Picardian, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, we dig a lot, and then me, you know, my, my wife not so much, but me, I'm a, a big horror uh, movie person from not so much the new stuff, again, because I'm not necessarily into the gore, mm -hmm. um, like you see with a lot of the horror movies today, but man, like the old slasher movies from the 70s and 80s, and you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th, and you know, Carrie and Poltergeist and all those, you know, um, I love all those kind of old horror movies and stuff like that. So they're they're really really cool. I like I love the Trailer Park Boys. That's another one that uh, I never. My brother kind of turned me onto that. And I started watching, and these guys are just they're funny as hell. Um, Columbo, we we like a lot of Columbo in this house over here. I love Columbo, yeah. Yeah, he's a lot of Brit like British shows too, like A Touch of Frost. Um, um, Rosemary and Time. Um, uh, God, there's this one that we used to watch. Uh, George Gently. Um, they're all like mystery type shows, kind of, you know, detective mystery type stuff. And, you know, um, that's pretty much most of the time. Definitely have one thing that I have never gotten into 
at any point in time in my life is reality TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I, whether it's Survivor or the the um, the you know the, the the singing shows. You know what? My wife and I did used to watch. So you think you could dance? Mm. Uh, when that came on a while, like years ago, back like maybe in two thousand four or five, mm-hmm. and um, we used to watch the Hell's Kitchen, and when that first started coming out. But other than that, I, I never really got into reality shows, and um, uh, I guess that's about that's about it. I've pretty much watched pretty much anything. We like a lot of Akira Kurosawa stuff. Um, like you know, when I'm sick or whenever anybody's sick in this house, we put on Seven Samurai. And uh, that's about that's about all I can really think of off the top of my head. Yeah, the only reality show I think I really watch is uh, American Pickers. I like that one. America, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see a lot of probably old, different type stuff, and that is yeah, yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that show, but I definitely like watching a lot of the... Uh, yeah, you get a lot of old kind of stuff you've never seen before. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, I, I watch a lot of um, shows about abandoned buildings the, yeah. for that specific reason as well. Like, it just sometimes, you know, they'll walk into these places and it's like hasn't been touched in 60, 70 years and they're pulling up like calendars from 1983 and you're looking yeah. at like old boxes of pledge and stuff like that just right. that kind of nostalgia of looking at the and then the architecture like especially some of the real old places like you know it's crazy because like it, it, the apartment that we lived in here this was built in i think like the 20s early 20s and uh so it's got a lot of wood and just it, it's it's a very warm feeling when you walk into the building it's like you know now everything's cold it's all fluorescent lighting and it's all like sharp and and just like kind of stainless steelish looking you know yeah. so you know i kind of dig more of like the the wooden type vibe and just kind of that that kind of uh that kind of vibe <laughs> topic again and i <laughs> yeah. i get this a lot when i do when i but I, it's crazy, man. I'm not real good at, uh, obviously, I'm good at talking, but I'm not real good at talking <laughs> in the sense that sometimes I start running around in circles. So. <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is cool. Again, I like, uh, you know, the thing I was kind of worried about and still I'm worried about a little bit is, you know, the other bands would kind of be asking me the same question. And, like, I'd be given the same answers every every episode. And then... <laughs> And then it's like, and then you know, we trying to find out about each other. We don't really know each other. We just know each other on Twitter. It's like, well, how do you record? Well, okay, I was, I told the last three bands how I record. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but right. this this will give you know people to realize that we're just normal people and we do normal stuff and maybe get oh, yeah, yeah. and maybe they'll speak speak to them in a little way and they'll get interested in something else or try something else. But yeah. All right, let's get to some a uh, little more music-related stuff. Uh, how do you balance your family, your job, your writing, recording music, and promoting on social media? And I think you're basically only on Twitter, I think, on social media. Yeah, that's all you yeah, can do. Right? That's all. I mean, I have a YouTube channel as well. Like, oh, yeah. um, 
uh, you know, for with pharmacide stuff and all. But as far as like, yeah, that's probably that's got cobwebs on it right now. I I I, I need to get back in there and you know it's it's funny because how do I balance it? It's it's uh I I don't something I'm I'm juggling and one ball is always needs to be picked up kind of you know so mm-hmm. um you know it's I generally try to leave one thing out of the equation musically. You know, so if it's like writing, promotion through Twitter, and then like mixing and mastering, like one of those is usually on an off take, sometimes two, you know, right. uh, like my family and stuff like that. I got, they stay in the mix, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, so it's, it's, it's juggling. It's, it's like, you know, you got the things over here and these are, are static. You know, but but over here, this is what's what's always juggling, and it's, you know, I'm like right now, I'm 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 writing. You know, I mean, me and you are, are working on a collab, and yeah. um, yeah. what, uh, you know, is actually coming along pretty good. But we'll get to that in a minute. But um, <laughs> you know, like just the, the you know writing is is taking like my my focus as far as you know. Uh, what I'm doing with, with, with the music sense. Cause you know, as with, with, with the, you know, we're very hands-on with the children. So they're homeschooled they're, we Like you said, we, we do a lot of from scratch uh, stuff in our home. So needless to say, there is always several shifts of work to be done yeah. around the home to keep up with. So, um, you know, it's like if I'm working on writing music, I'm probably not on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, it's like when I finished writing Bihar and I started the mixing and mastering process, that that's that's the worst part of the process to me. One hundred percent. I that was such a nightmare and such a just mental stress from. Mm-hmm listening to a song thousands of times, you know, and, 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 and changing your something by point one. And okay, is this better? It, it's not better. You start going crazy, you know, like yeah, definitely. remember what was good or not. And, you know, uh, and then and then my wife gets crazy. I'm like I've heard that a thousand times. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and, a then, and, and, and then we get in the car and I put, and I'll make sure it sounds good in the car. And then I put it on in the car. It's just like, again, we got to listen to that again. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just checking out one more thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's how yeah exactly it's the same thing with me it's like you know they're, I'm, they're like again he's a bihar story again really it's like wow well, at, at least luckily for me 90 percent of my songs are a minute and a half so they're like boom 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 and they're done <laughs> yes yeah and that's the thing like bihar story that was i think that was man that was like an hour and seven minutes of of music and the like story interludes. I think it was like 38 minutes of music and 27 minutes of story time or something. And to, 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 to go through all of that with a fine tooth comb mixing and mastering. And, you know, it, it, it just, so it's like, while well, I was doing that. And then when I was mixing and mastering that, I was trying to stay active on Twitter. Yeah. And, 
between the two, man, it was, it was kind of crazy. So then I kind of dropped off on the mixing and mastering because the, the, the album was done. It was uploaded to CD baby and they needed to run their fine tooth combs through it and do whatever they need to do for the copyright and the distributor and publishing and all that. And, uh, at that point I could take a break and, you know, I, I kind of focused on Twitter a little bit and trying to promote the album. And then after that, I just kind of hit a brick wall and I, I, I dropped like a fly, man. I, I, um, we have a lot of busy time, our family, you know, all of my wife's anniversary, our kids' birthdays, Christmas, it is all like between October, the middle of October and the beginning of January for us. So uh, it's a crazy busy time. So it was like once I finished doing the video for Illogic, I, I, I was probably like a ghost. Like I didn't get on Twitter for probably two, three months. I was just, mm -hmm. I didn't look at my drums. I didn't, I, I just was, uh, as far as create creatively, artistically, I was just like shriveled, yeah. like, you know? So I guess the long and short of it is I balance it by always throwing really one thing to the side and trying to not balance all of it. Because if I did try, man, it, it would be, you know, it would either be at the expense, crazy expense of my family, or it would be at the crazy expense of my health. And, you know, it, it just, so for me, it's, you know, if I'm, if I'm focused on writing, I'm probably not going to be very, very much on Twitter. I, I poke my head in and I try, you know, I, I definitely yeah. try to, you know, um, let people know that I'm there and I, you know, that I, I'm acknowledging that, you know, that, that different people are, are mentioning me and, and different stuff. So I try to make sure that I'm not like, you know, disrespecting that, but um you know it, it's just i kind of i kind of shifted around like the chamber of a gun and it moves you know it's it's okay now i'm focused on writing and i just run with that and you know and i it's kind of pick what which one is is the most important at that point and i try not to do any mixing and mastering whatsoever uh, one thing that's cool i guess is i don't a lot of guys, it seems like uh, these days, the singles are every band out there is seems like their uh, like musical agenda is like to do a single right. a month thing and to keep it, yeah. keep it running. I guess that's the new I, thing. Yeah. yeah and I, I didn't come up in that time. I came up in the time of at least yeah. writing me and having it not just be one song, but a, a group of songs that have a somewhat of a relation and meaning amongst each other. And I mean, I'm not trying to take away anything from, from that aspect because I, I kind of, at some point want to think I want to kind of delve into the whole singles mm -hmm. aspect of things myself. But, uh, you know, right now it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm it's EPs in full length. So, when I'm writing, I don't even got to think about mixing and mastering because I'm not going to touch any of that until the whole thing's written. And it's like, then I pass it over to the part of my brain that does the mixing and mastering. And I'm not thinking about rewrites anymore. I'm not thinking about re-recording anything. It's like, I kind of pass it off to myself and make a mental signature of, okay, I've signed off on this. I can't change nothing anymore. Now it's just time to, 
to, to, to bring it to the mixing and mastering arm of my mind. And, right. you know, that helps. I, I don't know how I'm going to juggle it when I move to the singles game. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much like I've said before, other people have heard already, but EP, EP, and then put those two EPs on, and, you know, on an album with the new material. Right. I'm kind of a little bit of the both worlds. It's not like waiting so long for an album, but it's not too soon. Having a single every month It's kind of, I'm kind of trying to do the middle of the road kind of thing. So, right. And I kind of, I, I kind of do uh, mine a little different. I pretty much, when I record a song, what. For most of my stuff's pretty much the same. Of course, it's punk rock, so you have. I pretty much have a template where everything's almost perfect. Like if you if you do the, you know, the same thing. You got all your same levels. Like you know, you know, each each guitar's input. Everything's pretty much the same. I mix and master when I record a song. It's it's done. I mix, master, and write all at the same time probably not the right way to do it everybody's like oh no you have to do this stuff yeah but that's you know <laughs> i found that with stuff like that's, this that's my you know people are like i guess i i was i've always been different <laughs> so. yeah there, there's you know i found that there's no real sorry i had to shift something real quick here there's there's no real right or wrong way with that's the thing. And, yeah, I mean, even mixing it, that's all an art to, an art in itself as well, if you really think about it. And, you know, you, you it, it's you know, you can you can critique, you know, like the technicality, I guess, but it's all a feel and a vibe and a yeah. you know, what what feels right for the right. you know, for like with me, it, it's I haven't been able to do that where I have like presets kind of because for each record that I've done, I've like used complete different amp tunings and everything. Like I, I've kind of changed up the reshaped the whole guitar sound for each one. So it, it, the, the bass might work, the, the levels might work with what I have. But once I shift everything around, then maybe the guitar is fatter, or maybe the bass has a little bit more roundness to it. And it's so it's I've, I found that each one has to kind of be its own baby and even for me like like i found um going at least on bihar uh i couldn't even i didn't even use the same levels from song to song mm. on that like each each song yeah. was kind of approached as its own project and then overall kind of mastered as an album but still like that, that was a crazy process man i, I gotta learn how to streamline that better myself because that's yeah yeah, the, the the my first one, my first album, nineteen seventeen. That's kind of what I did. It was kind of, it was kind of a mistake, where like I had what four or five guitars maybe, and I, and I had a list, and I was like, okay, I'm playing this guitar with this guitar and this track, and then but this guitar, I didn't know I had to like have every combination of all the guitars. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then it was too hard to mix, and they have different sounds, and I'm like, what? The? So. 
I don't know. I said, all right, that song sounds the best. I'm using those guitars. So <laughs> I, I basically, basically, the last few songs, EPs and songs, I've been using my Samic for one guitar and my ESP for the other guitar. Once okay. In while, once in a while, I use my Telecaster. I finally got a good sound on my Telecaster. I tweaked the amps the way I wanted to, but, but, uh, yeah, that's one thing I, I've been meaning to tell you about. Got so like, many, got so many guitars. I want to use them all, but <laughs> <laughs> like I want to use my hollow body this time. Huh? <laughs> that's got to be a song I got to use my hollow body on. And it's well, one thing. The one thing I heard, and it seemed like it was true. That it was really, really odd. One guy I was listening to, the, he had a recording thing. He said, "If you want to make your guitar sound heavier, put like an acoustic just like underneath." And somehow oh. it tricks you know, somehow it tricks the ear tricks the ear on making it seem like it's it's you know it's it's, it's very quiet he said you just just barely can't barely hear it but somehow it tricks the ear that it makes it more powerful so that's, 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 that was my theory of if you notice a lot of the really heavy bands the one one of the guitar players had a strat and the other one had a less pop and the strat is really thin and the Les Paul is really thin. So that the two that's why I've started using my telecaster a little bit with oh, my nice. other one. So it's you got a thin sound and a heavy sound together and it makes it even more heavy. It's like a really weird kind of technique. Yeah, I, it's crazy because like I don't really know any of the technical stuff about guitar and like I I know have no idea like any of that, but yeah. I do try to tune uh, both of my guitars. So one's thinner and the other's a little fatter. And when they combine, it, it, it gives like there. A, a, I, I generally tune it for a combined sound out of both. Right. Uh, and yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I've been meaning to tell you for a while, man. I, I love the way that you're, you're, you just get some killer fucking tones out of your guitars man it's it's just like <laughs> you really do, dude like like it's just some heavy shit and it, it just really just attacking but 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 bright enough so you can understand like the articulation but but just still just just fucking deep heavy too it, it's crazy man I, like how do you kind of do you sit down and like when you're writing something do you kind of like shape the sound and be like okay i kind of want this type guitar tone and then start writing to that or do you just kind of write the stuff and then shape the tone after it's written or i just write it and do it as <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like uh the the other thing i think the um thing that helped me a lot too was was um uh, learning a little about about eq and i think that helps out with the guitars it makes it sound different and the one thing i learned about uh, eqing is that you need to each instrument like needs to have its own place okay like, like your bass you would you would you would put your bass at a certain frequency, like maybe 80 to 250 or whatever you want it. But you like, then you want your guitars, one guitar here and the other guitar here. 
but on the bass you would scoop down where the guitar was going up so you kind of separate them out okay scoop down this and then this and then for this guitar you kind of scoop down the other guitar so those frequencies are interfering with that guitar so it's a lot of it's about eqing okay yeah like that's i've kind of just started Mm -hmm. getting like that those kind of concepts in my mind and all but i'm not really i'm still Mm-hmm. very have a lot to learn and all that but yeah it's funny that you mentioned about trying to to carve out the sound because that's kind of that's kind of where i am with what i'm trying to learn how to do right and, now and almost cutting is more you know scooping it out cutting is more uh advantageous than trying to boost boost your signals yeah i, I did remember hearing that from from everybody it's like you drop you don't raise you want to drop something down and i mm-hmm. i do try to do that but you know i'm just i'm still learning and then i don't have like like you know like like you know this is this is my studio here you know so it's and it's just a set of audio technica headphones i don't have like studio monitors and and even if i did i don't have the acoustics set up to make them even really worthwhile to I I think that's overblown. You don't you don't you don't need you don't need this acoustic. In my opinion, you don't need this big acoustic perfect room and everything. Because most things are played on your phone. If you can make it sound good on your phone, I come out of your speaker. It's gonna pretty much sound good. And I have had I have I, heard that too. I can guarantee you that. And you, you start mixing in mono too, which gets your levels a lot better. Okay. That, that's a good tip that helped that's helped me a lot too and it's just it's just because i don't have any soundproofing i have my piano in the corner and my speakers up there and, and it's a big wow, wow. den room and then the living room's there so it's just like a big area there's no soundproofing no wow. nothing. i've got to run on the floor but that's about it you just sit there, get your triangle thing and you just kind of get them as perfect as you can and then the rest of it is playing it in your car, on your phone, uh, in your stereo at your house, somebody else's house. You know, I have a stereo at work. I have a stereo here, and I just stereo in the car. So I just like, all right, this one, this one I have too much guitar, and that one I have too much vocals. So then you kind of got it, then you make it so you sound. That that's that's the best way to do it. You just can't. Oh. You just can't go by the studio monitors of your headphones or anything. It's going to sound different from the headphones than it is. Because everybody's going to have different, everybody's going to be, it's going to be played back on different stuff. So you have to kind of make it sound good on everything. Yeah, that's, 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 that's my technique. Right on. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just the experience, too. I mean... Well, yeah, that's... In, and ultimately, that's what I think. In some way or another, some way or another I've been doing or, or been involved with it for over 40 years, so... Yeah. So, I mean, my first experience was... Our first album was recorded at uh, West Beach Studios with Fred, uh, Brett from Bad Religion, the one that recorded our first album. Oh wow! That's, yeah, I remember you telling me that actually. So yeah, that was uh, 
I, that was a pretty good experience and I learned a lot there. When when we and it was kind of interesting when we had our amps. It was weird that it it was in one room and they weren't separated. And what he did was it's kind of interesting. You face the amps together, and <laughs> and you think they're gonna you know you have the microphones in front of them because what it does is it cancels each other out in the middle. Wow. Together. So like oh well that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. And then you <laughs> just get different different effects where or you or you put it in a corner. Face the enter the corner and you put the mic there and just get this up. There's a little different techniques. And then the then the bass was pretty much direct, I think. <laughs> and the drums were off another thing. So that was my first taste. And then I've actually recorded that recorded there twice. Because you know, we're doing everything ourselves. So we recorded it one summer and we paid for it. And then our bright idea was to do something weird, like have 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 the one side of the vinyl cut, then the other side perfectly virgin, like it's not cut at all. It was like be, be oh, the that's great. thing. That was our first idea, but then by the time by the time we we're ready to almost to get to do that, you know, we got the paper recording, and we're like, okay, now you got to pay for pressing and everything. Of course, we're all saving our money and everything. Then we're like, right. Well, we got enough material for the other side, so, so, so we recorded the other side like six or eight <laughs> months later. So then so then we actually put out the first LP. That's crazy. So that was kind of cool. And then yeah, then we recorded at some other place, two other places, and then just learned. Then in the nine mid earlier then our less Seven inch in '96, we recorded. Last year we recorded on two inch. I was like, I think that was the best sound we ever got. Was well, the digital wasn't as great then. I mean, it's it's almost uh, it's almost perfect now. But back then, it was really good to record on analog. Is what we uh, did. Then we transferred it to digital and mixed it and everything on digital, and and that was a really good sound. That was the, that was a really a lot fuller sound than when we did the next one that was all digital. We recorded digitally, and I learned a lot during that session too. In like '96, when we did that, and then you know later on in the '90s, when I got my software and started learning, and the internet came out and YouTube, and just learned from other people. Yeah, man, you know that's crazy how YouTube has really. It's just like it's it's crazy because you really have access to a lot of stuff that just like we didn't you know growing up like yeah you had to learn word of mouth and like by talking to people and you know like mm -hmm. like there wasn't a video to put up on how to learn anything you know like you just you, you had to kind of try to figure it out some so like the wealth of knowledge that's afforded to you by being able to just go to youtube and type in how do you do this or how do you do that and, and be able to look at an instructional video right. it's just it's crazy man like it's just that's that's that still blows my mind to this day how you can just anything you know like i, I was except for it's funny because i was for some reason i was trying to find out the history of lock making <laughs> and I, I couldn't really find much on that on youtube it was a 
couple five minute videos or whatever, but no real like documentary type stuff. But it's just crazy the 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 different stuff that you just type in a, a you know a a thing for, and you can kind of start trying to figure out you know get yourself involved a little bit. You know, you really can do a lot with it. Yeah, definitely. All right, you're up. Next question, number four. Okay. We are... Number four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, originally, I think you're from Ohio, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how, did, how would you say Ohio contrasts with Southern California as far as, like, you know, do you, do you dig the weather? Do you dig, like, the type of foods and stuff like that that you run into? And, like, what's... How did you how did you see the, the contrast and stuff like that? Oh, it's like day and night. I love California. <laughs> I just love California, except for the <laughs> communists. You can't, you can't go to the beach. He wants to he wants to not let anybody go to the beach. That's what I don't like. But you know, they want to tell you what to do with your life. I heard about that. They, they, it's back down, right? Yeah, I, don't, I really haven't heard lately, but he was in and he wasn't. Uh, I think it's just Orange County right now, the last I heard. But anyway, yeah, uh, the weather is nice. I, I just love the weather. Um, the only thing that really disappointed me was the beach. Because you know, the beaches in Ohio are awesome. You go in the water, it's great. And here you go in the we go in the water and it is freaking, freaking cold. Yeah, it is, man. It's I don't I, it's... Yeah, even at, <laughs> like you know, in the valley it's 110 and you go down to the beach to get cool and then you're pretty in the almost freeze your ass off. Yeah. You gotta have jackets on and everything, and you're like Man, someone's, you know, you gotta wear a wetsuit to get in the water and go surfing or whatever, which I would never do, but, but the, yeah, they are in this is so cold, and even, even when it's, even when it's 60, 70 degrees out there, the cold air coming off the water, you're just freezing your ass off, man. damn. It is true. It's, it's like, oh, it looks, looks good in a picture, it must be warm. No, it ain't warm. <laughs> Yeah, man, it is, and it could be August or anything, and it's still cold. It seems it just, oh, yeah, yeah, like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I remember, we went to Jamaica once, and uh, man, the water there—it was like bath water, like literally off the beach. It was, it was like getting into a bath. It was so warm, and it was January, I think, when we were there. I just not like, not like <laughs> Venice Beach. Yeah, this is that's the one. The only thing that disappointed me, I was like, "All right, California is going to be warm, but not at the beach." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you get the breeze food coming in. Yeah, yeah, and then the food. Oh, uh, the food is great. That, what I that's what I kind of love about LA is, uh, for me, I don't see any reason to go anywhere else in the world because it's it's here as far as I'm concerned. You got you got Japantown, you got Chinatown, or you know Koreatown, you got Armenia Town, you got you got every every place in the world is here. So if you want it, you can pretty much get it. 
you know, 90%. You know, you, you live where I live in the middle and you go to the beach one time, you can go to the mountains, you can go to the snow in the mountains in the morning and you can go to the beach yeah. in the afternoon. It's like, bam, bam. And then you can go hiking, you got mountains, you got valleys, you got deserts, <laughs> you got, I mean, it's just, you're in the middle of everywhere. You got nice scenery. You can, it's just, I don't know. It's just the place. It's just sad that uh, the government is not right. Yeah, that, that is crazy. Because you can, like, we we go up. We, well, it's been a little bit since we've been up to Big Bear. But, yeah, it's like you got the mountains up there where you can see. Like, we were building snowmen. And, you know, you, you literally could go to the beach almost the same day. Mm-hmm. If, if you wanted to take the drive and then you know that with the desert and just and then you got the forests and like yosemite and stuff when you start driving north it's that's that's what really cool for me the food and i don't know coming from the east coast I, i'm more of like sub shops and yeah like <laughs> pizza shops and delis and stuff like that and they don't really got too many of them out here that are like not like a theme type thing yeah. uh I haven't found too many sub shops other than like maybe, uh, you know, Jersey Mike's or something is probably the closest thing yeah. that I found out to, to like a yeah, sub shop. But, I like uh, Jersey Mike's. Yeah, they, they, they are they're, they're as close as I could find to like a straight up East Coast style sub out here. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, it, it's crazy because I'm not real big into Mexican food. Yeah. Um, I'm not real big into Chinese food and stuff like that. I'm, I'm more of like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. And, you know, uh, I, um, you know, so I guess, hang your call. So I guess just, you know, with me, that's, that's a bit of a bummer, but you know, it's like you said, it is ultimately, I would think for most people there is like, you, you can definitely run into, pretty much anything that you want, you could probably find it within driving distance, Yeah, you know, in Los Angeles, you know, so that is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, let's let everybody know about all your albums and your, how your current music is going and uh, your future plans are. Yeah, with Pharmacide, um, I have the, the Pharmacide EP came out in 2008. Well, the the single for Merck came out in 2017, in July of 2017. And then the first EP, the self-titled EP, came out in December of 2018. Uh, the second EP, Synquisition, came out in June of 2019. And then the first full-length uh, record, Be Horror, came out, Be Horror Story, that came out uh, on Halloween of 2019. Um, as far as future stuff, um, I'm, I'm currently working, I currently have actually my next two projects already envisioned out in my head. Um, it's gonna be an EP and then followed up by a full length record. Um, and from there, I, I kinda, I want to start um, bringing some more like Celtic type instruments like bagpipe and flute and um, 
uh, like, you know, harps and, and, and fiddles. And I want to start bringing in some African drums and uh, some different, some different stuff into, into my music that, um, I mean, it's still going to be pharmacide. It's still going to be heavy. It's still going to be essentially metal, but, um, I think that, you know, by now, if anybody's listened to my stuff, I, I, I do some things a little differently sometimes and I'll throw some, some, some stuff into the music that's not necessarily conventional. So, um, it'll just be kind of continuing out that, you know, the, the next two albums are going to be pretty much straight metalish, but mm-hmm. beyond that, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting myself to see because while it's, it'll always be metal because that's just where my, my, my heart is kind of, that's just kind of what, what, what comes out, but um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll have a little bit of a twist coming with this, with the six release. We'll, we'll, start introducing some crazy twists into the music. And I want to explore more um, of weaving stories and, and music together. Uh, I, I kind of want to, not in the sense of Bihar, because that was just such a long mm-hmm. project, uh, which which I wrote linearly. Like, I, I literally started out with the opening scenes and then the opening music and then just kept going through, like, asking myself, okay, what piece of music fits after this part? Mm-hmm. And then write it like with, you know, like a purpose kind of, as opposed to just letting things come out. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, the, the next stuff will be a little bit, you know, I don't know. Well, it, it'll, I'm interested to see kind of myself. I just want to, I want to start bringing some more, you know, just, stuff into the mix that's yeah. you know not conventional straight yeah. every day would be <laughs> most likely it'll always stay instrumental though because i mean I, I i did vocals with merc mm-hmm. um and that was a very personal song which kind of specifically called for you know the vocals that i used in it but since then i've, I've been pretty much all instrumental i like to let the instruments kind of speak to what you know the vibe and mm-hmm. it'll probably stay that way. i don't have any real uh plans of, of of doing any any more singing but definitely have more plans of storytelling and just you know that kind of whole vibe seeing what what i can do with it where i can take it how i can you know mix them together and you know just what comes of that and I want to get more into the flute too. I want to really start, you know, um, getting those kind of melodies and vibes and stuff. So, you know, I got, there's no shortage of stuff to, to, to work on and to try. I can definitely tell you that it's, definitely. and then, you know, we got our song coming up, our collab, which that's, um, you know, that'll be, uh, it's, it's own, it's, it's been already its own cool journey. So, you know, <laughs> it's just, Definitely. You know, as we keep where we're working with that, it's just, you know, and then I, you know, it's, that's, that's about it as far as I, with, with what's coming with Pharmacide and what I'm doing, you know, musically. I, I did some other stuff with other bands, but there's no real point in mentioning that yeah. right now because it's, yeah, yeah, you know. All right. Last question for me. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm asking the question to you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. Okay. Okay. So you recently, you know, you just recently had a grandson. And uh, so, I mean, we've I've definitely congratulations and all that, but congratulations again. And if you could just, you know, just speak a little bit about on how that's been for you. How have you, you know, how have you enjoyed um, that experience so far, especially, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately through the whole Corona kind of lockdown thing and all. So it's, right. it's, it's a hard time for somebody to have a baby. You know, my niece just had a baby about a week or two ago as well. So yeah. I was just thinking, you know, like, wow, yeah. it, for a new mother to have to be going to prenatal visits and, or, you know, like the, 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 just the, all the stuff that you have to do when you have a brand new baby and the, the doctor visits and stuff, you know, but, but just how's that, how's that journey been so far? Oh, it's been awesome. And I have, I had a, well, I have a granddaughter too. She's, she's five, five and a half. So she, they lived out here for about four of those years. And it was awesome having a little granddaughter. It just it was so fun. And we Skype, we still Skype and everything. But yeah, my grandson's three months old, and we're supposed to go out there about so what is it uh, a month or two ago. And we just uh, haven't seen him yet. Well, I mean, other than on Skype, but this one. Right. Uh, and once you see him on Skype, you're like, I should be holding him. <laughs> just, yeah, I know. I know. Then your granddaughter talk to you on Skype and she's so cute and everything. Like, man, I should be there holding her. Wish they were still here. It's just like really miss them. But yeah, it's the fun thing, especially when they were here, was you know, we do the the old uh, same uh, like everybody says, you know, you can spoil the grandchild, and you're like, all right, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Give back, you know. And the mother's like, she doesn't uh, want no soda. She doesn't want any sugar. Oh yeah, here you go. You can have the sugar. <laughs> you know the cookies you want. <laughs> and then they're like, oh what? You never did that with me. And I'm like, well, that was different. <laughs> I'm a grandparent now. <laughs> uh huh. And it's just fun being. Uh, it's 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 just a blast. I love my granddaughter. My grandson, awesome. Awesome. That's cool, man. Like, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, and it's crazy because you know my my daughter, she's nine or eight. She went eight. She'll be nine on the next birthday. Not uh, eight and six, so nine and seven on the next birthdays. And we were just talking about, oh, man, you know, it's like she's already more than halfway to driving now and she's going to be wanting proms and dates and all that. And it's just, I can't even imagine. I'm still going to get my head around the, the kids and, 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 and just the whole, wow, this, the whole grandchildren thing. That's, but that's also got to be real cool. Like I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, just the, the, the whole, just the process of all that, everything. That's how to be a cool, Definitely a cool journey to take, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you grow up fast. Oh my God, that man! Yeah, it's like Ethan. He's he's three and he's going to be four soon. It's like he's he's like a little baby, you know. He's like you know, I'm like you know, 
wow, man, you I'm a whole, I can't hold you like that anymore because you're so big now. Yeah. You're spilling out of my just yeah, it's 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 like like that, and he was being born, you know, like, and he's already going to three and a half, you know. It's just like wow, it does. It's yeah, you know, it, it's it literally is like a blink of an eye. Like I, I can't even yeah. Which is why, like, I'd have to say, like, you know, like if if people, you know, like like this Corona thing, and we're all in quarantine and all, like if if you can try to use some of the time to just connect and hang with your family and stuff like that. Cause it's, it's just, you know, the moments they, they go by so quick. It, it's, it's, and it's almost it's crazy because in all this craziness and this quarantine, it's like, we've almost been offered like a golden opportunity to, it's, it's almost like what everybody, you know, like when you're working, it's like, man, I would love to just have a couple months off to just, you know, yeah. hang or, you know, and it's like a lot, a lot of people have that now, you know, and it's just like, man, it could be used as like a golden opportunity, you know, because they do, man, they grow so fast. It's he's talking, he's back talking, he's, you know, and it's like, man, you were just, you were just not even, you know, you're, you're, it's just crazy, you know. He's he's walking and stomping with purpose and all. And just just the fact that that ha- like you know, literally, it's like you go to sleep one night and you wake up and you know, yeah. You know, my wife, we were just talking the other day, and it was just it's like, did you look at Ethan? His face just changed. His face has changed again. It's like, you know, it's man, it's just those moments they they go so fast. It's yeah. crazy, really. All right, man. This was awesome. Thanks for doing this. Oh no, thanks for having me, dude. It's been great. I, I, it's like I said, I caught, I first caught the Secret Weasels episode. Those guys are awesome, dude. I love those guys. It, they're a trip, man. And uh, it, it, just the, the the camaraderie and just you had a great idea with this, man. And okay. um, I know Tony might have. I think Tony mentioned this when when his episode when I was watching his, but. Yeah, man, I've been also wanting to tell you, like, kudos for keeping up your your tune for Tuesdays and all that stuff, man. Because, like, you know, I, I know firsthand how hard it is to – I've told myself so many times, okay, I'm going to do a YouTube video every two weeks or something just to do something and, and put some – you know you know what? I'm going to put out a tweet every fucking – three. man, I've told myself so many times <laughs> that I'm going to, like, stick to a pattern with this yeah. stuff and – You've been doing it for a while, man, and, and and I know that that like from firsthand experience that it's a bitch to put that stuff together, recording and 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 yeah. just line you know lining up the, the the sound to the to the to the you know to the video and the just the whole putting the videos together and, and it's it's a fuckload of work, dude. So yeah, it's a lot harder. Your consistency on that and. Yeah. You know, and then you always keep me guessing, but I, I'm I suck at those kind of games anyway. But still, man, I've got a couple. But um, yeah, no, it's been fun. Thanks for having me as well. And dude, it's just definitely um, look forward to to hearing some more of these shows too, because like this whole band to band thing that you got going, I got a feeling this is going to kind of take off a little bit, and and you know, really kind of. Uh, it's a really cool way for, for, for 
you know, musicians to interact and learn shit about each other. And then for the different people who are listening right. um, to, to kind of learn more about what ticks right. behind the, the, you know, yeah. Everybody. Uh, yeah. I was kind of thinking about that. I, um, subconsciously totally. Cause I, I didn't even connect it until a few, maybe a few days ago. Cause I watch, um, I watch, um, uh, what's his name? The Red Rocker. What's his name? Uh, oh my God, the, the Red Rocker. Why does that sound so I, familiar? I can't, drive, I can't drive 55. Uh, okay, can't, yeah, I know you're talking about. He's got a show, Rock and Roll Road Trip, and he goes around. He goes around, and talks to uh, other musicians and stuff. And then, for a while there, well, they're new over here, but they did him a couple of years ago in England. Uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC. Okay. So he he went around interviewing a bunch of people, like uh, drummer for Pink Floyd and uh, Roger Daltrey and and a bunch of people. So I just subconsciously I think it it's um it's a different perspective when a band member talks to another band member than you know some oh yeah some dude you know I, I watch uh, sometimes I watch um, Dan Rather has a show where he interviews a bunch of people too but it's so you know reporterish and newsy and, right yeah you know, just like. Some of these reporters, I don't know how they get a degree. There's questions or something like, are you kidding? Me? <laughs> like, hey, are you for real? And you went to college and you asked such stupid questions? Somebody's like, like, oh man, you're getting paid to do that? Are you really getting paid to ask these stupid questions? It's like, I don't know. But anyway, subconsciously, I might have been, you know, I think, and people seem to be liking it. I'm getting pretty good response. So. I'm hoping it goes on good. Yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing some more of them, and you know, definitely, uh, you know, looking here forward to hear some your, your next shit coming up. Which actually, you know, just a, as a quick addendum, um, you you were saying that you're you're going to have your EP coming out pretty soon, right? Like, yeah, you were saying you're trying to have that like before summer, right? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get it done if I'm. If I'm really, really lucky, I'll get most of it done this weekend because I have the last two songs I'm working on in addition to our song, so I'm doing a lot of things at the same time. I got to tweak some vocals and re-record some and uh, do some mixing on two songs and then kind of put the cover together and then hopefully submit it within two weeks, which should be releasing so hopefully before june so let's hope barring any right on, bro. barring any issues or technical difficulties <laughs> or whatever who knows but all right and uh i guess everybody can find you basically at at pharmacide on twitter and on youtube right yeah at pharmacide on twitter and pharmacide on youtube is uh mm -hmm. is that that's so and Bandcamp, you know, pharmacide at bank dot bandcamp uh, dot com. 
And uh, yeah, other than that, um, we'll do a quick shout out to the Indie Underworld Rocks, which is a really cool just scene that's been put together by Demon Scar, who is just a really big figure in this whole indie movement that me and Dennis and all are, are a part of. And, um, you know, just, just helping keeping all of this stuff going. And, uh, cool. yeah. Love you girls, kids, meaning not, not you, but my, my girls, my daughters who are going to be probably checking this out. So I love you guys. And, um, you know, have a good day, man. We'll, we'll definitely, um, once we're, able to get out of the bunny suits and all we will have another lunch <laughs> oh yeah definitely and everybody can find me at this side of anarchy.com and i'm everywhere <laughs> instagram soundcloud twitter bandcamp youtube uh, spotify just you know i'm probably there <laughs> yeah i'm on spotify i have on spotify and all this <laughs> there you go <laughs> iTunes and all that. I guess I forget to mention stuff like that. I'm thinking like social media type stuff, but yeah, I'm, you know, you can hear Pharmacide at all the, the Pandora's and all that stuff, and you know. That's why uh, one thing I read too that seems to make sense, and you know, at first I'm like, well, are they saying that because they want to make money on making a website? But I think it's just a website is so advantageous for bands, even if you don't do much, because it's just even if it's a central spot that has all your all your links to, they can they can they can find where they want where you're at. So that's why I like you just you know I don't have to say I'm on Spotify at this, I'm on Instagram at this, I'm on this at this, and you're just like right. Sideofanarchy.com and it's all right there. <laughs> You know, that's been something that's been in the back of my mind for a while. Is But I guess I keep telling myself, once I learn yeah. to get on top of Twitter, like Spotify, man, I got to get back. There's probably so many, like, different new follows and stuff that I got to get caught up on. I just, yeah. I get tunnel vision with that kind of stuff. And, man, I, at some point, I want to get a website. <laughs> I know. And then creating websites, another thing you got to do. For us one-man bands, it's like, gee whiz. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah and it's like for me i try to i really try to stay away from anything automated like any kind of automated tweets or automated you know like i i may put out a tweet and then sometimes i may not be able to answer people till the next day or so because i'm i'm in the middle of just all kinds of stuff but i i still um at, at one point i thought about you know i could just do one of these things to program three or four tweets a week to, just so I'm not forgetting, but uh, it's, it is, it's to, to stay on top of all of that is just, it's impossible actually, you know, it's. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, Dennis. I'm See you next time. Bro.